I'm a true champion. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the WrestlePlug podcast. I'm Aaron Nix, the most unprofessional wrestler walking this earth. I'm a videographer. I'm a wrestler. I do loads of things, graphic design, all within the wrestling world. And with that, that means I get to chat to some really awesome, awesome human beings. And finally, we've been able to lock him down. He did wrestling with John, as I noticed before us, because, you know, he's got to play with the scrubs first. Just kidding, Kurt. I love you, brother. Um, But Frankie T, the urban goth, has finally joined me. He's not looking so urban right now, is he? He's looking very comfortable in his bedroom. Frankie T, welcome to the WrestleFly podcast, sir. Thank you for having me, sir. It's been a long time coming. It has been a long time coming, just out of pure curiosity, because the fans like to know everything. Why did you keep cancelling on WrestleFly? Well, kids, innit? Don't have them. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's fair. You're a family man. I understand that. Now, I'm sure a lot of people watching this already know who you are. I'm sure there'll be a few people watching it because they're looking to stir up shit, because that's just the way wrestling is. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you're offended by swearing and, well, just me in general, now's a good time to get out of here. Make yourself a nice cup of tea and watch whatever it is you snowflakes watch uh frankie t you have been a wrestler for a long time at least in terms of training so for those of us and for those watching that don't know much about frankie t let's go right back to the beginning of things when is the first time that frankie t steps inside a wrestling ring so training wise the first time i stepped in was 2004 at the FWA Academy, uh, based in Portsmouth. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I was there with the likes of uh, Drew McIntyre. He was training at the time. Um, lots of big names came through. <laughs> love love that name that just got dropped on the floor now. <laughs> just just yeah. former WWE champion Drew McIntyre. Ain't nothing but a thing. <laughs> Drop it in there while you can. Yeah, fucking right, mate. Um, so, yeah, so 2004, started FWA um, training. Um, I left there. As, as you said, I'm a family man. Yeah. Um, family came first, and I left after about six months, um, be the dad, and then came back to... Uh, how did I come back to? Rev Pro. After a number of years out out the bit out the loop, hmm. um, I was there for some time actually, just coming up to about two years, I think, might be a bit less. Um, and then from there, Kapow, IW, uh, oh, what do you call them now? Not IWE, because that's who I run. Um, plenty yeah, of other schools I've been to, um, the last couple of years, so. Did you train in power wrestling? No, I did, yes. They had a a brief flirtation. I don't know if they still do. I don't think they do, at least as far as I know. I think they use Quality Wrestling Academy for most of their trainees now. But they did, for a while, run their own training. How was that? Because that's something that isn't really touched upon that much down in the South Coast. But Kapow, obviously, is well-known, does very well for themselves, tours very well. So... I imagine at that time, the process, there must have been quite a few guys there who are probably well-known now. Yeah. Um, 
they had their own training facility, well, training facility uh, venue that they would go and train. Um, I believe it was the Acorn Centre in Waterlooville. Um, wow. That's, got, that's going back to my old stomping ground when I was a kid. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but yeah, you had a regular group of guys coming through. Um, the regulars were there. Uh, look at you, and the Dash, um, just to name a few. Um, the training was mainly held by Carl Atlas. Who? Um, <laughs> Love Carl. Warrior. Big man. That's a good guy to train under as well. Very, very capable, very talented wrestler. Um, he's very knowledgeable as well. He's very what? Knowledgeable. Yeah. I mean, there aren't many who know. I think Carl is a bit like me in the sense of he's always been a hardcore fan. And sometimes that can lend itself very well when you get into a position where you're able to help other people in our business because you can tell them about the true fire. I think you have to have a real fire and a passion to be in the wrestling business. You can't just be... I mean, there are exceptions. Astrid the Viking was perfectly honest with me. Now, I think she's incredible. She was perfectly honest with me from the get-go that she was not a wrestling fan when she started wrestling. She's never really, you know, she wasn't that person who watched armies of matches or watched Ric Flair or Bret Hart on the YouTube or anything like that. You know, she's never been a big mark for wrestling. She doesn't really enjoy watching on TV or going to see shows as much. And yet she's been capable. But you would probably say that 95% of all of the people who find success in this business have always loved wrestling. Oh, absolutely. Um, I myself, I got into it through watching it at a very young age, um, and that only then that was by accident. What was the? I mean, going back before the training and stuff, because yeah, cool, we've all trained and whatnot, and you know, it's not an interesting story. But what's the first thing that reminded you or made you think as a young lad, I want to be a wrestler? That's all I want to do. Who really kind of jumped out at you and made you feel like, yo, this was this was it for me? This is what I want to do full time. So, as I just touched on, I fell on it by accident um, one Friday night in an episode of WWF Mania. Um, yeah, Todd Pettingale. That's yeah, how well, far back. At wow, we are going back. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I feel old. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was probably about 91, 92. Um, the, the one that drew me in the most, obviously, for a lot of people, I'm sure, was Brett the Hitman Hart. Um, Fine. Absolutely hero of mine. Always has been, always will be. And then it sort of grew into, like, the likes of Tatanka, the bright, colourful characters that were coming through. Um, Legion of Doom. Oh, I actually remember Legion of Doom, actually. I said to my dad one day, can I have that haircut? And he looked at me laughing and said, jog on. <laughs> Not in my day. You have to understand, kids, back in the day, unacceptable. Like, you'd get the shit kicked out of you for that kind of stuff. Like, you, unless you, like, you know, came from, like, a punk rock family or you lived by yourself for whatever reason. Like, nah, you're not getting a... Not in my fucking house. That's what I used to hear a lot. So, yeah, well, that and a lot of just general screaming. <laughs> Internally and externally as well. Um, yeah, no, Bret Hart's a fine choice, man. Um I know that you're not the sort, you know, you're not a man of many words. You're not going to talk no. like forever like me, you know, so you will get short and succinct answers from Frankie T. And that makes for a very good businessman, it has to be said. So 
let's get into the meat of things because unless you're running shows, but now obviously anyone who's in the know will know that you run independent wrestling elite, which is mostly based out of Essex with a little bit of foreign into amateur at times. And then of course you are also very well known in a lot of different counties, the Midland circuit in particular, you wrestle for a lot of different companies, by the way, Reigning Immortal Fighting Champion. Congratulations. We'll touch on that a little bit later. Also one half of the IWE Tag Team Champions because from what I can tell, if you own a company, you got to put yourself over. Uh, <laughs> now shout out to Mr. Potato Head at CWP. Look, even though he's a bellend, we've still got a bit of advertising. You're welcome, Potato. You're welcome. I can hear him now. Stop calling me now, you piece of shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, ultimately you've been successful. You've held many belts. But the one thing I have noticed is that you don't have a particularly big identity in Hampshire, which is where me and you spent a lot of our youth. This is where we both kind of cut our teeth in the business, for lack of a better term. Why is it that you don't work more in Hampshire? Is that due to politics? Is that due to just having so many other bookings and dates working elsewhere, having so much commitment to IWE as well as working a full-time job and looking after, you know, a somewhat a professional promotion of your own at home with your family and things like that i know that you're bringing them up well and one of them is already a former dirty 24 7 champion as well congratulations young man very impressive the fact that how old is that kid by the way 13 13 years old and he's already had more belts than i'll ever have that is so depressing and yet so glorious at the same time well done lads not going to take away from your dream i'm just saying nobody's put me over yet <laughs> just saying but yet the 13 year old gotta run with the title so it is what it is although he was summarily rolled up by day day but what i'm trying to say is uh, you know after all this kind of blowhard nonsense is that i don't see you in hampshire that much and there are plenty of promotions to work for other than the obvious the only one that really you turn up for is cwp which again has been a bastion of opportunity for so many people let's delve into it why don't you work more in hampshire um i think it's more to do with politics um for reasons i don't know i'm not very well liked i can't answer that I, probably because i'm not a yes person or you don't like daniel bryan no yeah, yeah, yeah. There's your dad joke for the day, ladies and gentlemen. He's a dad. He should appreciate it. This way, that that one, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think probably sort of like at the time, I might have been too green and pushing a bit too hard. Who knows? But now, you know, more more mature, more wise. Um, I, again, I can't answer as to why I'm not liked. But CWP, you know, I've got a lot of love for CWP. Um, due to them, like you said, I'm well known in the Midlands and further up north. But because I wrestled there, I got my opportunity through a contact by Robbie to go wrestle for this other company. And then from there, I was just about making connections. I met more connections and like yeah come on in come on in we'll give you opportunity and i'll ever be grateful for cwp for that I, you know okay it's not the polished product but you look at who else has gone, gone on to go and do better things from there you know i'm going to name drop one to um sky smithson 
she made a bit of a name there for being a ruthless uh, female wrestler. The know? best women's wrestler in the country. Absolutely. I'll just put that out there. And there's some bloody good ones as well. But I think she's the best. Country Mile, easily the best. Yeah. Amazing. She should be, you know, she should be knocking on America's door, you know, going to Japan. She should be there. It's criminal that she's not doing it more often. Yeah, she's she's getting a breakthrough, bless her. By the way, Sky, still waiting for you to come on a podcast. Um, <laughs> just saying, we're friends. Just do us a solid. Um, why is it that there's... Do you know what? Let's just fucking dig into it. Because I'm I'm not liked either. Shot Cara. Um, and probably... And the funny thing is, you're much nicer than I am. <laughs> so that says a lot about this business in a nutshell. Um, why is it that you think there's so much posturing and so many politics and so much backstabbing and bullshit and nonsense that's thrown out there in this business? Particularly, I know, I'm sure it's in every county. I'm sure it's not just a Hampshire thing. I'm sure everywhere there are people looking to step on people. And we know somewhat about holding on to spots and running down younger talents because we're worried that they'll eventually remove us and or whatever is it, it more often than not it always comes down to protecting your spot protecting your place but if you're good enough you don't have to protect anything you'll always be brought back that's how i always look at it and if you're good enough at your job you'll always find work what why is this culture developed why is it that everywhere we look in hampshire someone's got something shitty to say why don't we all get along better because this is a very civilized country it's not you know, we're not wrestling in a third world country. We're not wrestling in a, an area of great difficulty. Yes, okay, some people struggle financially more than others, but the majority of people in the wrestling business, you know, we're not out on the streets. We don't have to kill each other to find a meal or anything like that. So why is it that we feel it necessary as a whole to shit on as many people as we do? Because people don't like change. They can't roll with the... T- uh keep up with the standards. No, sorry, standards is the wrong word to use. They can't keep up with the time, sorry. You know, we're in a world where it's forever changing. Take COVID, for example. You know, that's where, as, you know, we're trying to make the best of what we can in a shitty situation. Um, But the fear of change, you know, it's like, I don't agree with territories. You can't run here, this is my area. Well, you know, times are changing. You know, yes, you're well known. You're forever going to be well known. But what about the next generation that's coming through? You know, who's to, who, why, why are you stopping other people from progressing? Am I the best wrestler ever? Am I fuck? Far from it. Can I do better? Absolutely. But I'm still going to help out people along the way the best as I can. Just pass the knowledge on. You know, we're not in the 1980s anymore. Just move on with the times. We're, we're supposed to be now as one unit. Everyone support British wrestling. Well, how can you, how can you turn around and say that and yet at the same time you're going to run someone else out of town? I don't get it. Do you feel ran? Do you feel like you were ran out of Hampshire? I don't. I personally no. 
Um, if I was more of a yes man, I'd probably be wrestling in Hampshire a lot more. Um, but I'm not a yes man, you know. If I'm not happy with something, I will tell you. And that's how, I was, that's how I've always been. So why is it that... I'm curious because there's a lot of posturing, especially from veterans. Now, you're a veteran, but you don't posture. Um, I want to know why it is that you, as an individual, are a minority in the way you behave. Because I see a lot of veterans. Now, to be fair, I've also worked with some fantastic veterans. Joel Redman, Eddie Ryan, professional to the core. Wonderful. A fine, fine example and great ambassadors of our sport. Um, but I've also seen you know, a lot of idiots or people who, despite having so much talent, so much clout, so much um, great clarity in what they do and being great professionals, somehow feel the need to stand on other people's heads to elevate themselves. And I do not understand why the thing that I always hear from particularly from more soured or more, shall we say, aggressive veterans that aren't willing to help more people the thing i always hear is you should always show respect you should always be humble you should always be professional and yet every single thing that they do goes kind of against that grain that lack of behavior that lack of etiquette that lack of you know for instance turning up late to a show not helping out with the ring not putting the chairs out not being respectful of the video guys, the MCs, not being respectful of the rookies looking for an opportunity, not being respectful of the people who are putting in the time because it takes a lot of people to make a show work, not just 11 guys in spandex. Why is there such a, a lack of respect? Is it? Do you think it genuinely is a fear for change and also a fear of they're going to take my spot? Or is there something more there? Is there genuinely a level of hatred, do you think, just towards anyone else? Because maybe they were brought up in a very different fashion when they entered the business. They had to be brought in hard way, you know, a lot of shooting, a lot of hazing, a lot of bullying. That to them was a culture that was normalised. Do you think that because that isn't as much the case now, and rightfully so, because we live in a fucking civilised society, do you think that maybe that's something that they carry with them and they believe that it should be maintained because it got them to a position of power i think like you said it's you know it's hatred oh someone's going to take my spot it's fear what's wrestling it's an act it's a face you know um yeah on your social medias on your wrestling pages you can say support British wrestling, you can do the right things. Um, but away from that, on your own so personal social media or whatever, you can be however you want. And that's, you know, I've been on the receiving end of it. I've had, you know, someone nice as pie to me by um, wrestling pages, but on the personal pages, I've been ran down to the ground. Is it fear from taking someone else's spot? Possibly. Have I generally pissed someone off? Possibly. But you don't tell me these things. You won't have it out with me. But, you know, it's... it's a lot of it, yeah, fear of taking, taking someone else's spot. Because what does that prove? 
you know, yes, you're becoming sort of like a veteran in it. And what's what's going to happen? You're expected to pass the torch. Who wants to pass the torch? No one. I look at it it's in the sense of I'm an older guy. And but I yet yeah, I've only been in a business for the best part of five years now. And I'm like, okay, well, I can even now I can still pay it forward. But I can also work with the guys. When I go and work shows, I don't think, like for instance, when I did Full Force and I worked with Reese Riley, who could be a megastar and no doubt will be scarily, eerily like Pete Dunn in many ways, not just in image. And at no point did I think, ah, better, better make sure I run down this younger kid who's, you know, 14 years younger than me. I was just thrilled at the idea of being able to share a locker room with someone like that, being able to share an environment with that person, being able to work alongside them. Maybe because I wasn't wrestling them directly, I found it probably easier. But I would like to think that when I'm in that opportunity and when I'm in that locker room, I find a great joy in working with anyone as long as they're not directly disrespectful to me and particularly to my face um that's why i don't really get it i guess we're kind of knocking on the door of something that we're not going to fully understand because these people aren't going to come on here and talk to us are they they're not going to come on and say hey you know what i have plenty to say myself so and by the way anyone's welcome on the wrestle plug even if you fucking hate me or have nothing but bad things to say about me i will happily sit here and have a conversation with you because shock horror i'm an adult um a very cursive one but an adult nonetheless i don't understand it and i suppose the big encapsulation of this is your 24 7 title match at the last cwp show reborn you had a dirty 24 scramble match yourself ebenezer the geezer dirty dave dennis the reigning champion of course it's his belt that draws a lot of the eye you had aaron cruz and cameron anderson you know kind of really punching through hitting through that glass ceiling and of course the mighty jake hollister who is a very credible world-class wrestler from abroad six of you had a match this match went viral on social media for a small amount of time, not on the level of Ricochet and Will Ospreay, obviously, but, you know, it garnered a lot of interest, a lot of views, a lot of people enjoyed it. Non-wrestling fans I spoke to enjoyed it. But there was a small section, subsection of the wrestling community who thought it was, you know, in their words, shit, trash, uh, offensive. And these grievances, some people aired them publicly, some of them aired them privately, which is fine. They're entitled to do so. That's the idea of it being called private social media. What's your reaction to stuff like that? Because I know that certain people would struggle to take such vitriolic criticism when it's not really criticism. It's just hate, isn't it? There was no critique. There was no, hey, can you do better? And not everything, by the way, on that match was my cup of tea either. Uh, I don't work that kind of style much. I'd like to work more humorous stuff. But the reality is this match was advertised and, you know, presented as a more comedic relief match, something different, something a little bit more crazy and haphazard. Why do you think it garnered the grief it did? And in kind of in turn, why do you think so many of these matches, even though they seem to be one commonplace, we have Orange Cassidy in AEW. I don't like him, but he's there and he's doing well. We have the Young Bucks who do this flippy gray stuff. We had Osprey and Ricochet, two of the best wrestlers in the world. They did, uh, you know, a kind of killing the business match for lack of a better term. Um, why is it that these things still are drawing so much on it? Is it solely because the veterans are still there hanging on? 
because I don't think every veteran hates this match. I still think there's a subsection of veterans who think, you know, oh, it's the meme, isn't it? <laughs> they just hate everything. Because if you guys had gone out there and just had a pure wrestling match with no stunts or anything, it probably still would have got shit on. So, again, I'll refer back to what I was saying earlier. Uh, people are afraid of change. Um, you know, like you, you said earlier, it's not everyone's cup of tea. Me, personally, hate multi-man matches. Hate them to bits. Did I have fun? I, I had fun doing it. It was, it was different. I've never done a comedy match before. But, um, but yeah, so like some of the veterans, you know, that have said, I don't know, it's shit and whatever. That's, that's, that's your opinion. You know, if you're going to slate it and share the video, so what, by sharing the video, you're just drawing more attention, more views, you know? This is the second most viewed match of that show as well. And considering that it's second only behind Joel Redman and Franco Varga, which, by the way, is whipping everybody's ass, and rightfully so, um, because it was easily a match of the night. Sorry, you're not getting it from me. Your match was fun. I enjoyed it. And being behind the camera, being that close to the action, affords you a different kind of a aspect and a different perspective to so many people. But um, that match was special, Franco and Joel. You know, it felt big. It felt like a big yeah. star power match. But, you know... It's the second most viewed match. So I'm sure the goalposts will be moved and mental gymnastics will come out. Yeah, well, it's only the second most popular because everyone's watching it so they can laugh at it. Well, then you're an idiot and you're counterproductive if that's what you're doing. Because, yeah, sure, we watch shit wrestling on WrestleClub and do watch-alongs for it when Carl Wilkins is going to be bothered to turn up to work, which is never because he's a fat, lazy sack of shit. But ultimately... You know, and I know he's your friend. <laughs> so maybe if you put an appeal out on the air, maybe Carl Wilkinson might just come back to us. We could put him on the side of British milk cartons and maybe somebody will find him. Um, or maybe he's just lost in the ether of diabetes. I have no idea. Um, and for anyone who thinks I'm being out of order and offensive, this is just what we do. Get over it. Um, but we do watch-alongs and we take the piss out of shit wrestling or, you know, backyard country boys and death matches and stuff like that. But we're not doing it because we want to draw attention to it. We're doing it because we find it fun. It's entertaining. You know, not because we genuinely... We don't hate it. I don't hate anything in wrestling. There are things I just choose not to watch. And I think that's the difference. How can you openly wake up every day and think, I actually hate this? Like, anyone who actually knows, even Frankie T, 10%, a small modicum, will know how much of a nice guy he is. So I'm just going to put it here and then we'll move on to something more fun to talk about. If you're actively going out of your way to hate something because you hate certain aspects of it, and by the way, you know, some very big names brought a lot of hatred towards that match. And if I was you, I'd be flattered because I've never had so much attention. Um, and ultimately, that's all anything or anybody wants in wrestling is attention. We want people to watch us. We want people to see us. We want people to recognize what we're doing. We want people to see us working hard no matter what kind of avenue we're working hard in. So in many ways, you're fucking stupid. If you hate something that much, you're willing to bring more attention to it and get more people to watch it. That, that in my way, is the most backwards, inbred thinking I've ever heard of. And cool, crack on. Because ultimately, the best way to stunt somebody's growth, somebody or something's growth, is to not give it any attention whatsoever.
to pretend it does not exist in the ether at all. And then what happens is less eyeballs are on it. But by screaming to the high, John Cena, right? Probably the loudest reaction in the building every single time. I thought John Cena sucked. I did. I hated John Cena. I thought he was boring and irrelevant um, as a wrestler, as a person, wonderful human being. We all know that. But like for me, I was like, that is not my cup of tea. And I learned as I grew up and became an adult, do you know what? Instead of just hating him or getting angry, going, oh, you can't do more than five moves. I was like, do you know what? I'm just not going to watch this. And I'll just watch the rest as I do, like, like Daniel Bryan and CM Punk and guys like that. Because we evolve and we grow. So that's what I did. Any final words on the whole debacle and why everybody seems to shit on everything you do, Mr. T, despite the fact that you're well, very good at what you do. Not that, Mr. T, by the way. No, I pity the fool. Very good. Um, Very good. You're not going to do the accent, or are you worried about getting cancelled? I'll put you a jibber There you go. Um, Get yeah, let's not talk away from the fact, you know, it was a charity show, you know? So a charity show, you try and do something good. It's the first show back, you want to make it fun. What? Personally, you raised money for terminally ill kids? Oh! <laughs> personally, the show, I think it crushed it. It's the best you show know? CWP's ever had in my opinion. And I'm very quick. You can ask anyone involved in CWP. I'm very quick. If they do someone shit, I'll tell them. I don't care. If I think someone shit, I'll say so. And I thought it was an excellent show from top to bottom. From, from all the shows of theirs that I've done, that was by far Country Mile, the best show they've ever done. And, um, you know, I can't say much more than that. It's done its job. It raised money for a good cause. It gave new people the opportunity to shine. I think that was the first time the knobs had been there. Franco Vargo came on. You know, what more could you ask for? I just, you know, it's it's that hypocrisy. And again, Franco Vargo ain't just going to work for everybody. Yeah. Franco Vargo chose to work for CWP. Can't be that bad. Cannot be that bad. I just think everyone's being a bit dramatic, to be honest, getting a bit emotional. And getting their knickers in a twist a little bit too much. And it is what it is. Let's talk about IWE, Independent Wrestling Elite, because that's kind of same, similar to CWP in the mold, at least in the business sense, not in the, obviously, you know, raising money for charity, although you, I know you guys do a lot for your communities and that. Um, independent Wrestling Elite, based predominantly out of Essex, I'd say. Uh, a great mm -hmm. roster of talent and another place where you can learn and discover brand new, fresh talents, new guys, people that I hadn't seen before. And you know me, I've got my head in every door possible and I see so many wrestlers every week. And even I was just like, never seen these guys. Awesome. That's fresh. That's exciting. You're able to dig out some real great opportunities for these young guys to show up and also splice in some fantastic veterans, guys like Johnny Storm, Damien, who runs the circuit so well, um, you know, tight grip, who to be fair, I think of in some ways have been around for quite a while now. And I think people just haven't paid attention enough. Um, and then there's, Good golf and wine. All right. Uh, let's see how they do against WMD. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but IWE is fun and it's good wrestling. And it isn't always necessarily successful in terms of crowds, but the shows are always put together so well. When did you first come up with this idea of IWE? Because I know it's not just your creation. It's a co-shared company. But when was it? When was the first kind of building and fruition of IWE, Independent Wrestling Elite? So the idea came about um, 
you know, as as you're just starting out in wrestling, you're trying to get yourself bookings, you can message all the promoters under the sun. They'll read it or not read it, not get back to you. So, you know, I've been there. So this is where the idea came up with. I spoke to two friends of mine um, and I said, you know, I've had enough of this. But at the same time, I can only imagine how everyone else is feeling about this. And you had loads of great talents that have just come through. Rob Lias, for example, Rob the Gob. Brilliant wrestler. Wasn't very much seen anywhere else other than RevPro. So I said to them, I want to do something where everyone can come, have a chance, get the match footage, get photography, get the experience and a reference, whatever. And they can take that elsewhere and further them their career. Um, and they were on board with that, you know? Um, I think between the three of us, okay, the initial plan was I had more or less the money. Um, Maverick Blade has had the ring and uh, Johnny Royal lived the local area, he knew the best venues, what would draw, what wouldn't. And we put the three together, IWE was born. Um, it, took, it probably took about five months of planning, getting the necessary paperwork, the risk assessments, the assurance, and everything else. And one thing we can't, what we can turn around and say is, you know, it's not a polished product by far. I mean, you've seen it yourself. Sometimes we draw really big crowds. Our first, our, the most we've had crowd-wise was probably our second show. We had 100, just over 150 people. Our last show drew 20. I've got no shame in saying that. It is what it is. It swings and roundabouts. But, you know, in our first year, we gave out not just wrestlers, referees, cameramen, photographers, you know, we had 36 debuts across all platforms on our first first year, and that was only four, uh, five shows. When I th you know, you look elsewhere who's doing that, no one. And who, the only big names we had, we had Rob Sharp on our second show. We had no big names on the first show, and we drew 100, just over 130. Well, we had Rob Sharp on the second show, show it sold out. On the third show, we had uh, Brett as uh, Selfie. Fourth show, we had Johnny Storm, as well as Damien. Oh, no, sorry, four shows, not five. So in four shows, you know, 36 debuts, we had towards... As we went on, we had the more experienced, well-known veterans there. But that was just to put the younger guys who deserved it. They can say, oh, yeah, I've, I've wrestled so-and-so. Here's my match footage. Here's the photography from it. Take your ball and run. And Sorry, carry on, man. Right, and the only other thing is we pay everyone. Doesn't matter what you do, you get paid and you get paid in advance. You get paid before the show. You get paid what you ask to be paid. And we stress that enough. We've had people messaging us saying, oh, uh, you know, when I 
any opportunities coming up and they'll say oh what sort of fees are you looking for they'll just tell me their match oh um so and so only wants 25 quid okay what about your expenses what do you mean well you'll you know don't skimp don't make yourself out of pocket if you're spending 40 pound on petrol so then just say you know my exes are going to be 25 plus 40 quid and you will get 65 quid paid to you before the show you know there's been many shows i've been on where i've turned up on the day not and wrestled and gone oh the crowds haven't been that great is a fiver and to me i can't i can't let anyone else experience that the um i almost feel like your career and everything you've done up until now is a direct response of the old ways of wrestling. The hot dog and handshake mentality. Oh, we didn't do so well, so we can't afford to pay you the agreed sum. Oh, you know, we'd like to put you on our show, but you got to prove loyalty by doing cam work and selling merch for free. you got to turn up and work a 14-hour shift for free. you got to do this. you got to do that. It doesn't matter if so-and-so sticks his finger up your fucking ass. All this kind of stuff. Because you know it fucking happens. And don't sit there and pretend like it doesn't and bury your heads in the sand. All your titles. The reality is that this business has been full of old traits, which may have worked at a certain point. And that's fine if that was the case and people were accepting of that. But the, the problem is that a lot of people didn't consent to this kind of behavior. That's why we ended up having so much outburst and problems like we did last year and it took a lot of strength and bravery to break that cycle um but everything you've done screams professionalism i worked on your last show the locker room was incredibly happy every single individual who worked for you was extremely talented you know some of them you think well that one should be on progress um don't want to name names because i don't want to embarrass people but some of them were just so good and you just thought wow like you know, it's not a case of I don't want to see you working for IW. It's a case of you shouldn't have time because you're all over the world, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, everything about IWE, just like CWP, I think is great. And maybe because it doesn't have a shit ton of bullying and it doesn't have a load of big old dinosaurs trying to shove their fingers up people's asses and whatnot. Maybe that's why people enjoy working for companies like that, because that should be the norm, a professional, polite, safe working environment. There's, I'm all for intensity. I'm all for banter. I'm all for honesty. I'm all for swearing. I'm all for physicality in the ring. I'm all for being snug and being aggressive and everything that comes with that, but not at the expense of somebody's mental health and physical health, especially. And IWE from the get-go has made it very clear. Yeah, we're going to do things. We got hard hit in action. If you've taken a European uppercut from Damien, you know exactly what I'm talking about. My fucking God. Um, that fucking hurts because wrestling ain't a ballet. But he doesn't then try and verbally or physically assault me afterwards because he's a professional and he's one of the best in the country, if not the world, at what he does. Shout out to him. Um, is it safe to say that a lot of your career and a lot of what you've done and the fact that you're doing everything the right way is driven by past experiences and the behavior of others in other industries and other companies? I like to think so. You know, I, I 
much like my personal life outside of wrestling, I try and do the right thing as best as I can. You know, if I see someone working hard, I will go and say, right, you should be looking at this person. I'll personally go out my way, and I have done it for plenty of others. I've dropped doses, hi, I run this company. I'm not looking for a booking, but I think you should be looking at this person who wrestles for me. Here's his footage, or her footage, sorry. And they've gone and got bookings from that. You know, I'm not one of these that's going to hold on and say, no, it's all me, 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 me. Like our champions, Brett has done, well, Damien has done a lot for us from day one. Who's Brett? <laughs> Gimmicks. Um, no, kayfabe. That trust me, that ain't a gimmick. That is <laughs> that is that is a manifestation of evil. That's what that is. Wow. But you know, he's helped us out mm -hmm. an awful lot. You know, I pay him well, but I want to say thank you another way. So therefore, he is our main champion. Riley Daniels, our women's champion, she came down, didn't message us. She just came down, introduced herself. Do you need any help setting up? Okay, brilliant. Yeah, sure, come in. And, you know, same as Xander, you know. It's the little things like that. If I'm going to see you're working hard, I will work hard for you. I'll drop your name here, there, and everywhere and make you, you know, I'm not saying I'm the greatest. I do the best I can for you. You know, I don't want to be tag team champion. I, I wasn't that way inclined. But because, you know, Xander, me and Xander are both goth gimmick, uh, gimmicks. But I can't give him the tag belt on his own. So the idea was, okay, we're both goths. We'll be a tag team. Good goth almighty. You know, that's my way of rewarding him. You know, he'd done a show once. We had someone drop out of one of our shows and he had just finished wrestling for SOS, I believe. And I said, I know this is cheeky. Is there any chance you come down and step in? He was in that car, in his gear and face paint, driving down the road, and he was there. Commitment. Yeah, that's, do you know what? That's the level of professionalism I want at my show. Not guy who's got roids running through his veins and wants to shout at anyone who's under 200 pounds. That's the commitment I want. Um, and that's the professionalism and the commitment I respect. So shout out to him for that. Um, yeah, no, that's fair. It's uh, it's not something I want to harp on about. I didn't have plans for making this podcast. about. I know you've done other podcasts, like I say, not as good, but it is what it is. Um, there's always going to be competition, isn't there? The difference is I'm not going to try and burst into their locker room and run them down on social media. <laughs> not my style and congratulations to John as he's done very well for himself he deserves his success um I want to talk briefly before we wrap it up and we'll have you back obviously because you're going to be um helping me out with IWE stuff and I in turn I'll be helping you out and obviously we'll most likely have you on the podcast to hype up matches and shows and things of that nature if you are that way inclined of course um but I want to talk about Urban Goff quickly because that's your gimmick. That's your persona. That's your presentation of who you want to be in the wrestling business. And it's very quiet and it's very understated like you are. Um, have you found it difficult for the gimmick itself to take life and take its own kind of flight into the world? Or is it well received? 
Um, it's not a polished product by far. You know, I think we spoke earlier. I'm shit at promos. I'll hold my hand up. I can't. But I'm, I'm trying to teach myself to learn how to do it. Now think... he says that when he's on the podcast. <laughs> no, mate, I'm, I'm honest. I don't like talking. Why am I here? <laughs> I'm honest, as I said earlier, and you, and you know that. You know, but we think that possibly the missing piece of, of the gimmick. Um, you know, there's other things I can work on. I mean, as I said earlier, I'm, I probably think I've taken it as far as I can go. So now, therefore, I'm, I'm now looking to switch it up a bit. Mm. I won't say too much on that because I don't know if it's going to work or not. So I don't think it's the gimmick ex- itself. I used to wear a top hat. So people would only associate me with a top hat. Now people, I think, now I think people only associate me with, oh, it's the guy with the the, the luminous green goggles. You know, that thing that's, oh, that's that guy that does that. So, so you remember me then? I left a bit of an impression on you. I might not be much of a talker, but I can relate to you in, in another sense that I'm going to be remembered. You mentioned the goggles, actually. Um, where's my... Uh, there it is. So I have an iPad, and I asked people to send in their questions, and also we have word association, because I thought that would be fun. Um, but as you mentioned it, I do have a question here. It's from Anonymous. I know who it is, but I won't shout them out, because they wanted to remain anonymous. You pussy. Um, how do you feel knowing that you stole Becky Lynch's gimmick? <laughs> Who had the goggles first, you or Becky Lynch? Um, I, I think Becky Lynch had it first. Really? So you did steal? Yeah. I did. I am the Becky Wish of uh, Becky Lynch from Wish. <laughs> Becky Wish. <laughs> I um, that's that's not to be fair. Not bad. Not bad at all. I, you know, there are worse things that you could be a rip off of. What's interesting to me is she wears steampunk goggles, and you wear yours are steampunk, but they're slightly different. Um. What, where was the thinking with the goth, you know, with the goggles? Like, is that something that you just thought, well, that just worked? It got a reaction, or is there something more to it? Just trial and error. I what got a pair like of goggles. <laughs> is it a I'm metaphor for how you're drowning in a sea of veterans? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. I got a pair of goggles, whacked them on. You know, I. I probably end up I bought three pairs and the first two I gave out to kids in the crowd pretty much throw back Bret Hart you know and then it sort of stuck that's pretty awesome to be fair that's a nice idea and whether you like the goggles or not if you're wearing them with the intention of making someone's day that's pretty pretty awesome to be fair um another question by the way that I had here is uh uh how aware were you that your son was going to become dirty 24-7 champion? Because you did use him as somewhat of a battering ram as you suplexed him onto Dirty Dave. So you must have been aware of his positioning in the audience somewhat. I think someone's trying to insinuate that it might have been a predetermined assault on Dirty Dave Dennis. No, I was, I was prepared to win, take that belt off him by any means necessary. If my son's going to win it, it's off Dirty Dave. Simple as. 
would you have been prepared to roll up your son personally? Oh, absolutely. Would, if you had been so way inclined as maybe a heel persona would, would you have done it then? Or were you trying to curry favour with the audience, Mr. T? Um, I don't know, actually, thinking about it. I know, I know we'd briefly spoken about it beforehand and I said, right, okay, he's going to be over in that area. We can make sure we're over there. Um, then we'll just, we'll, we'll do something or other. I think the reason we think you might have cajoled your son into this position was because he looked far from thrilled to be holding arguably the <laughs> dirtiest belt in all of professional wrestling. That might have been a hygiene preference. Um, mm. I have to be honest, Frankie T, I didn't think I'd critique you for this, but COVID protocols are in effect, and I would appreciate it if you sanitise the belt before you hand it over to a child in future. That's just personally my opinion, but I understand that you are gold-hungry and the belt's have flowed. Uh, one final thing before we get to word association. You're currently the immortal wrestling fighting champion. And yeah, as a fighting champion, you are yet to respond to uh, an individual known as at Aaron Nick's design on Twitter, who has frankly <laughs> asked why you are running from him and will not defend said belt. Would you care to express that just in case Jay White is watching and wonders whether he might have a booking on his hands? <laughs> I run from no one. Really? Because so, fighting champion apparently doesn't know how to use his thumbs. Are you not aware of opposable thumbs on human beings? Do you not want to respond to Aaron Nix in the fear that he might squash you? Well, all I will say is, you know, I'm a fighting champion for a reason. If you think you're big enough, think you're tough enough. Oh, I'm big enough. Oh, I'm big enough, son. Size ain't a problem here, honey. Like, I'm just going to go full veteran, innit? Like, that seems to be the thing. <laughs> I'm big. I'm mean. Give me a title shot. Just like my boy, Bamford. God rest his soul. Um, okay, we'll leave, we'll leave that for another time. But, Jay White, if you're watching, don't be a pussy. Book me and I'll crush him. It's as simple as that. Uh, and then I'll take his tag team belts off of him with my boy Eddie as well, because why not? <laughs> Should be a fun year, 2022. But we'll discuss business later down the line. Because there's one thing I do respect you for, Mr. T. It is your business mind. Now, you're quiet and you're a nice guy. And personally, I think that's a load of bullshit. <laughs> so we're going to test this theory out <laughs> because I have a list of names here and not all of them are people you would associate yourself with. And I want one word to describe. Now, you can give... A explanation after the fact we're not, we're not just going to leave you hanging but I want your most honest take one word to describe every individual I'm about to read out are you game for this sir absolutely good we're going to start with something nice and we're going to start with no idea who this is Aaron Cruz Aaron Cruz um one word one word talented my word would be potential yeah. I think Aaron Cruz, all jokes aside, has the potential to be one of the biggest stars in our business. So, there you go. Oh, and by the way, if you're just going to keep sticking him in six-man tag matches, don't cry at me when he goes elsewhere. Just saying. Eddie Kenway. Um, Eddie Kenway. Underrated. Should be a lot further than where he is. He is not given the he's not given the credit he deserves. You know, who wants, you know, the wild Samoan? He should be everywhere. 
Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely fair enough. And again, I obviously referred to WMD and the fact that he hasn't been booked at IWE yet. <laughs> Just saying, if he's that underrated, I'm sure he would have found his way to Essex by now. He's uh, He'll be making an appearance this year, don't you worry. Oh, he better be, sunshine. Because trust me, I don't need to vouch for him. He'll just come and sit on your head. Um, <laughs> and you don't want that. Trust me. No, I don't. Ebenezer the geezer. Cocky. Have you not forgiven him for his little rants on you and his little jibes that he took at you uh, during the... Well, let's be real. It was a fucking train wreck, and I'm surprised more people haven't commented <laughs> on that. If you want to talk about killing the business, let's talk about the six-man fucking podcast that we did in the build-up to your 24-7 championship. Shout-out to Ryan Gosling, who joined us for a special appearance because Jake wasn't available. Um, <laughs> the um, He had plenty to say about you, and he kept going after you on social media as well. And I know you're not really big on the whole social media side of things, which is probably good for your mental health. Uh, is that why you would refer to him as cocky and not just... Okay. No, and I'll tell you why. Because he gave it all the mouth in the build-up. Not once did he touch me in that ring. Yeah, I noticed that. Conspicuous by the absence of any physical contact between you two. The, um, only, the only physical move he got was that dive over the top rope. And also That's you him. hitting him with one of your finishes, that lovely-looking uh, rock bottom into a net breaker, which, by the way, do you have a name for that yet, sir? Mm, sacrifice it's not bad I would have gone with goodness um, goodness gracious great goths of fire but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it's a bit wordy though isn't it you know me I'm too wordy um, no that's fair that's absolutely fair I look forward to you two tangling up a little bit more later down the line I think there's potential for a great rivalry there and I think Ebenezer in many ways is the complete antithesis of you in how he presents himself and how he acts and how he behaves and misbehaves, the naughty little salt. And, uh, yeah, I've got a lot of time for both of you. I'd love to see you guys hook it up and smash each other around a little bit. So, yeah, and I assume that the sacrifice is what will end that discussion as well. So we shall see. Speaking with the, speaking of the knobs, a sensational Simon Durden. Simon Durden. See, it's hard to pin one word on Simon because I've only met him the once. That's all you need, mate. I've only seen him wrestle the once as well. Um, I've no idea. I, I can't think of a word. You could just say sensational, which is what he is. You will go sensational. The and word the is sensational for a reason. So, yeah, we'll go with Sensational. We'll go with Sensational as Frankie teased at a bit of a loss there. And as you know, dead air does not make for a good listen. <laughs> um, oh, a few controversial ones here. Well, controversial depending on who you are. Roderick the Rambunctious. Oh, um, Roderick the Rambunctious. I'm trying to pick one now because there's quite a few. <coughs> um, improvement. Therefore, he could do with improvement. Yeah, it's a shame because I actually think that he's shown quite a bit of growth in ring. But it's, um, it's you know, like I've always said, I've been honest to Roderick to his face and, you know, and spoken to him on numerous occasions. I think there's there's room for evolution. You know, I think that's put it nicely. 
And I think that's fair to say. And I've, I, don't get me wrong, plenty of room for evolution with me and improvement across the board. That's part of being a human being, consistently looking to improve. That's why Frankie T's on this podcast, because he's kind of a beacon for that. Uh, Rishi Ghosh, the Prince of Mumbai. Uh, Rishi Ghosh, Rishi Ghosh. Rishi Ghosh. Uh... Wanna wanna be prince? Wanna be prince? Yeah. I mean, I'd just like to point out my name directly translates from Egyptian to the word prince. Um, but my word would be thief because he stole the dash from the cash right under my nose. <laughs> and I haven't forgotten that, you sneaky little gobshite. And when the time comes, I will have my vengeance. Uh, <laughs> Damien, how about Damien? <clears throat> brutal evil and in some ways very arousing um (laughs) mia cortez mia cortez fiery just just (laughs) there's a lot of love here for mia cortez who doesn't love mia cortez though come on like that's somebody who is done so well despite everything that's been thrown at her at life and has just achieved so much and the fact that she isn't wrestling quite literally everywhere is disgraceful uh riley daniels riley daniels uh one word for riley daniels I want to, You're struggling here, seven. Frankie. It's word association, um, not time association. Uh, Come on, crack on, see, mate. With, with Riley, I would I would say uh, again underrated. She doesn't put herself out there enough when she should, and she should have more confidence in herself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my. I've only seen her at one show, but I would say Diamond, as in Diamond in the Rough. Um, yeah. She has the look, the skills, the potential, the class, and the elegance to be a megastar. And I genuinely believe that probably the only thing stopping that is confidence at this point. Must be, because she has everything else going for her. Sometimes it can be... Um, I, I may this might fall under the confidence kind of margin, but sometimes it's about self-promotion and lack thereof, you know? Some people aren't very good at promoting their own skills. That doesn't mean to say you've got to go and kick in everyone's door, but you should be of a position where people are aware that you're outside the door at least so that they can open it for you. Um, And I get the impression with her that she's just, just too nice. Too nice. Be a bit more ruthless. You deserve to be. And frankly, ruthlessness will get you attention. So, yeah, it is what she it is. Now, she needs to be now how she was when she first came to IWE. That's what, that's what she needs to be with everyone else. Kicking in the door saying, hey, do you need a hand? Let yeah. me help out. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And you're always, anyone is welcome to tag along with me to shows and kick in the door. You know, uh, Aaron Cruz and Cameron Anderson, shout out to those boys, have done remarkably well 
by jumping in the car with me. Sometimes they have to be forced in there a little bit. Um, not saying that I like to force younger men into my car at any point, because um, I don't. But Aaron Cruz, you know, he needs some he needs some cajoling sometimes. He's another one. He, he reminds me of Riley in the sense of a very, very, very talented person who doesn't appreciate how good they are and doesn't have the confidence in us sometimes. So get off your asses and become superstars before I start chasing you with a stick and yelling at clouds. Uh, we shall move towards the end, sir. Xander, your tag team partner. Um, Xander, I would say, like you referred to, Riley, Diamond. Another Diamond in the Rough. Mm. Got everything. Skills, moves. His... Um, I've only seen him do mic work a small amount of times, but even though it can do a bit of improvement, but he gets his point across very, very well. And again, should be more places than what he is. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I must admit, I've not seen Zander work anywhere, but your gaff. Um, I don't know why that is, because by all accounts, he seems to be incredibly talented. Morgan Black. Morgan Black. If it's not oh. Facebook, I'll kill you. Because if no. you know, you know. <laughs> My word was going to be banned, but... I'll, I'll just not... go with Facebook. And it, either you know or you don't know. And I'm not going to give you any more details because even this podcast might suffer a cancellation if I share what I'm talking about. <laughs> All I'm going to do is just do the response that most people do, which is I'm looking at my Facebook and I'm like... That's pretty much it. That'll tell you everything you need to know. Um, love you, buddy. Great work. Keep doing what you're doing. Everything about you is fucking awesome. Uh, let's see. Zulu, his tag partner. PlayStation. That's exactly the word I've got because that's all I ever seem to see. Uh, that and the word says... Again, yeah. if you know, you know. Um, these are inside jokes at this point. Kevin Isaac. Kevin Isaac. Uh, potential. Um, he just needs to keep honing in again on his on his craft. I mean, you saw him at the last show. That was his first match back in 18 months. Impressive. Yeah, my word would be handsome. Um, <laughs> also, he Anyone smells fantastic. Yeah, no, he is just so rugged and beautiful. But he smells fantastic. Like, honestly, some wrestlers, you think, yo, a little bit of deodorant, son. Like, he smells beautiful, and I have it on good authority. It's because he uses Lush products. And you know what? Judge me all you want, but unless you've used Kalamazoo, you do not understand the greatness of the scenario, so bite me. Um, it's as simple as that. He's what a handsome motherfucker he is. Gorgeous. Uh, Alex Connors. Alex Connors. Uh, Alex Connors. Uh, Grappler kind of reminds me of like uh, Dean Malenko. 
Oh, that's high praise, that is. Dean Malenko, for me, greatest technical wrestler of all time, or at least up there as one of the greatest of all time. Do you know what? I'm struggling to think of anyone who had a consistent body of five-star matches like he did. Yeah. Like, there may be guys, people might say Benoit or Guerrero or Angle or whatever, but if the quality across the board, astonishing. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, as far as Alex Connors goes, um... For me, it would be intelligence because he's very he's very courteous, but he's also a student. He feels very knowledgeable. He's an encyclopedia in many ways of what wrestling is. Yeah, um, yeah like something around that region, a student, you know, uh, a word of that kind of way. He's very studious, you know. He understands the art. He very much likes to use the canvas as a form of artistic expression. And I really appreciate that. Final, final name on the list. One word to describe, Frankie T. Just one T. Just one T. Um, that's a tough one because I don't, because I don't put focus on myself. I'm too busy focusing on everyone else. Well, tough tits. You're on this podcast. We're all looking at you. Give us a word. Um. Try. I would say gentlemen. There are very few legit because I'm not. I would say there are very few legitimate gentlemen in our sport. And I think you're a real dying breed. Franco Varga, I'd say, is in that category as well. Just unbelievably professional, courteous, polite, respectful, and every critique, every bit of knowledge comes with the understanding that they want you to improve, not feel worse about yourself. That in itself is how professional wrestling and how older people in our business should conduct themselves. So it's been a pleasure, sir. You are an incredibly difficult person to get to talk to um, for so many ways because you're just so nice and bloody quiet. Even in our phone call comes, I'd love to tell you that as soon as the podcast goes off, he'll be crazy and windmilling his unit around and things like that. <laughs> I'm afraid not. He is, as advertised, a gentleman. But I'll tell you what, if you're thinking about using Frankie T on your shows, you cannot use anyone better. He will be added value to your locker room. He will show a level of professionalism, like we've said, that is not seen that often in his business. And regardless of what other people think of him, which is completely unfounded, he will not cause any trouble. He won't start a fight, nothing like that. But he'll go out there, he'll deliver an excellent match, and he'll work hard for the people who have paid their hard-earned money to enjoy a small evening of professional wrestling entertainment. So Frankie T gets the WrestlePlug stamp of approval. We need a graphic where you know, <laughs> certifiable excellence uh, is Frankie T. Frankie T, thank you for coming on the podcast. Would you like to share your social media links or would you rather not in the hope that nobody will continue to bother you because you don't like social media? Well, I'm a Brit Rest killer. So if you are interested, um, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, at um, Frankie underscore T just the one T underscore UK um, and on Facebook you can just find me at Urban Goth yeah 
Yeah, um, yeah, the Urban Goth Frankie T is available on Facebook. We'll provide the descriptions uh, to all of the, well, we'll provide the links to all of his social media in the descriptions of said podcast. So if you're listening to this in audio format, check out the description on Spotify, Podbean, wherever you get your podcast, this will be available. And you can subscribe as well while you're there and check out our catalogue of over 560 podcasts at this point, which is a lot of fun. Everything from modern day wrestling, old school wrestling and interviews and all of that and in between is all available to you at your discretion. And also, of course, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, just have a look right down there. And um, I'm sure a few people have pressed the dislike button because whatever. But I always say you can hit whatever you like because it all helps with the algorithm. So just press a load of stuff down here. It's like when you first find, you know, a clitoris. Just keep fucking hammering things until you find out what works and you'll be fine. Yeah, so <laughs> Frankie's too polite. I'm not. <laughs> That's not going to work. Plus, it's an analogy. I don't actually go up to clitorises and start going, that's not how that works, or clicking for that matter. And there's probably a joke about mice in there as well and everything else in between. By the way, Brit Rest Killers, it's a silly name, grow up. Immature is what it is. Immature, grow up. <laughs> and um, with that in mind, I shall now bid you a fair adieu. Frankie T, thank you very much for coming on the WrestlePlug, sir. I look forward to having you back on soon. I look forward to working with you very soon on a number of different projects. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it has been an absolute pleasure. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, you can subscribe to everything that Frankie has suggested. And I suggest you do so to check out his journey. Uh, he'll be doing a lot in 2022, just like he did in 2021. And we all look forward to seeing what he's going to do next. And you can also check out Independent Wrestling Elite as well across the board on social media. We'll provide the links to that company in the descriptions as well. And of course... If you're really, really fucking bored, you can check me out at Aaron Nick's Design and send me hate mail like you always do, particularly if you like AEW. Sorry, I'm still not going to watch it. And of course, you can check out WrestlePlug at WrestlePlug across the board and you can send me hate mail on there too. I won't reply, but I will laugh at you and then post pictures of your hilariously shit profile photos. So you're cool, internet. You're cool. Until then, I've been Aaron Nick's. He has been the magical Frankie T, and we will catch you very soon for more content from the Wrestle Plug. <laughs>